The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Julie Berry has been one of the best loved voices in London for over 20 years. She was the original voice model for BT's Directory Inquiries and is still the voice of London Underground's Piccadilly Line. And she's with us here today. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, Toby. How are you? I'm doing great today, yeah. Now, what's it like to be a voiceover artist, first of all? Oh gosh, that's a very broad question. <laughs> um, it, it's it's well, I, I've had a fantastic career. I have to say, I'm knocking on a bit nowadays, and yeah. and I'm sort of on the point of retirement. But I did my first voiceover in 1981. That's how long I've been doing it. Um, wow. And in the last however many years that is, I've had a wonderful time. Stressful sometimes, um, but. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get. You get into the studio, you get given the script, you never know what it's going to be. And uh, at least rarely uh, do you get the script. Sometimes if it's something medical, for example, they might send it to you in advance because it may have lots of technical stuff in it. But no, it's rare. I mean, I've done all sorts of um, corporate and other kinds of narrative, uh, as well as radio and TV commercials like There Was No Tomorrow, and you never know what you're going to get. So you have to think on your feet. And uh, I've always loved that challenge. And back in the day, when I first started, we didn't have digital. Digital has made such a difference to everything. Because nowadays, if you're doing, for example, a TV ad, if they want your a particular word to hit a particular picture, then they can slide it around to do that as long as there's enough yeah. room in the script. When I started, part of the craft was being able to make sure that word landed on that picture or on that cut. Um, And that was part of the fun, as far as I was concerned. (laughs) And what's the kind of day-to-day life like? Because I'm guessing it's definitely not a normal nine-to-five job. So your routine would be very different from an average person, I suppose. Yes. Um, And certainly when I was doing a lot of work in London studios, um, which I haven't done a lot of in the last 10 years or so, I suppose. But when I was, it was very much I would get up and get ready to go just in case. Uh, When I moved to the house that I live in at the moment, uh, which was about 25 years ago, I'll never forget the first day after I moved. Um, I spent most of the morning trying to sort out my study and all those kind of things. And I just sat down with something for lunch 
And the phone rang and it was my London agent, Sue at Hobson's, saying, um, Jules, how quickly can you get into town? And I said, oh, about half an hour. Quickly put on some slap, got into some decent trousers, you know, clean trousers. And off I went. Got back, did more sorting in the afternoon, had just sat down with a cup of tea and the phone went again at about five o'clock. Sorry, it's late, wow. but can you, how quickly can you get to Wild Tracks or Tape Gallery or whichever studio it was? So... You know, it's like with the script, you never know what your day is going to be like. And you only know if you're going to have a good week when you get to the end of it. Yeah. And it's quite interesting because you kind of started out working in theatre and on acting things, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, my, my parents, bless them, insisted that at drama school I do a teacher's course because, mm. um, <clears throat> of course, I was never going to be successful as an actress, was I? And I would have to learn, earn a living. So thanks for your faith, mum and dad. But anyway, so I did a teacher's course at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in the City of London. And I went back to do a postgraduate year, actually, in Elizabethan and Jacobean drama. Mm. And when I came out of there, I'd, I'd already been asked on my postgrad year if I would teach a junior group at the Guildhall School. So I did that for about five years. And meanwhile, I went to work, first of all, in a school in Harley Street, teaching what they like to call elocution, what I called speech and drama. And then I wound up in a theatre school, Mountview Theatre School, where I taught speech and voice for, this is for trainee actors. And I also taught Shakespeare and I directed Shakespeare plays. And then I got to my sort of late 20s and thought, actually, it's really time I went and did this myself. And um, I had a splendid time in my 30s doing, I was in the West End for quite some time in a, a long running comedy. I did a big TV play of the month for the BBC. I spent a very happy year on the radio rep making radio plays for the BBC, which I loved. I think that was my favourite ever job. And I think it was around about that time I decided I really wanted to to be behind the microphone. I I was already doing voiceovers rather sporadically while I was in the West End. Um, And then I did this big job that you mentioned for British Telecom as the voice model for director inquiries. And suddenly all the people that I'd been doing sort of funny voices and accents for, for the sort of five or six years before that. And the show that I was in was, it was set in a girls' school in 1927. So it's full of people who spoke like this, you know, and I was a frightfully far back kind of teacher. And so I got used an awful lot for that kind and variations of that kind of voice, whether it was sweet young thing, you know, that kind of posh or far back kind of, or ancient posh. And um, so I capitalized on that. But then when I did the job for British Telecom, they discovered that I had a straight voice and started using me for my straight voice. And that's when it really took off. Yeah. And then how did you manage to get to work on the Piccadilly line announcements? That was a sort of a bizarre thing, really, because sometime in the 80s, it would have been a friend of a friend who was an actor who did railway announcements, uh, asked his friend, our mutual friend, if he knew of a female voiceover artist who would be up for doing some railway announcements. Um, And he said, but it's got to be, you know, a nice, soft, warm voice, not Minnie Mouse. (laughs) The first voiceover job I ever did actually was for someone who said, I never use female voiceovers. It's a long time ago. (laughs) I never use female voiceovers. Why not? Because they all sound like Minnie Mouse. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
And, and a friend of mine who ran a studio, who uh, we'd been at Guildhall at the same time, said to this particular client, if I find you a voice who's not Minnie Mouse, would you use her? And he said, yes. And that was how I initially got started. Mm-hmm. And so with the railway stuff, I was taken to this place to, I did an audition first to see if I was the right kind of voice because this was very early days of speech processing and you had to be very precise and you had to be able to do short phrases that would link together very well. And it was some years later, in fact, it was a decade or two later when uh, when I did the announcements with those same people at that same studio wow. for the Piccadilly line. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I think most of the train announcements I've heard are women so did that used to not be the case um i'm not sure i think a, a lot i mean it's it, it has changed a lot now i think there was a time when <laughs> apparently they did a survey of airline pilots about what kind of voices they wanted to hear from the equipment in the cockpit <laughs> And and the word came back, the feedback was that they didn't want women's voices because they tuned them out. (laughs) It had to be an authoritative male. And for many years uh, on TV commercials, for example, if they wanted, if you you were as a client, you wanted people to think that your product was really trustworthy, it had to be a male voice because people trusted male voices. I mean, we're going, we're going back a long way. Yeah. Young women now go, what? Um, as I did on many occasions then. But, um, but things have changed a lot now. And I think with speech processing, a good, clear female voice is actually e- easier to process, possibly, than a male voice. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and how long does it take to record a whole line of train announcements? Because I'm guessing it's very different to recording a straight voiceover. Like it's kind of disconnected in a way. It comes together later. Yes, it's. I think the word is concatenated or something ah. like that by the computer. So the phrases are put together by the computer. So you'll get a script that will look like lots of little phrases, lots of bits mm. of things like change at um, and. <laughs> so you'll get a phrase like um, this train is for <laughs> and then you've got to do all the stations, yeah. uh, which will run on from that particular phrase. So you have to inflect it. Inflection is the movement of the voice up and down pitch. You inflect it in a way that hopefully it all works together smoothly. So when the computer puts it together, it sounds like it's one sort of natural speech speech phrase. Ah, yeah. And just for my own listening pleasure, can you give us a good old mind the gap announcement? Actually, I don't say mind the gap on its own. On the Piccadilly line, we have... um... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Please mind the gap between the train and the platform. Nice. Yeah. Is it weird hearing your own voice when you go on the train? It's a regular experience. I've had I've had it many times. I actually live on the Piccadilly line in London. <laughs> wow! So, I, so whenever I go into town, all those years I was going into Soho to the studios, I'd be hearing my own voice. I also occasionally go up to Cambridge uh, to a flute teacher there, mm. and I'm on that line. I go down to Brighton to see friends. I'm on that line. Um, so yes, I'm all over the shop. Uh, Greater Anglia, if I go to see a friend in Norfolk, I'm on that line. So, yeah, I hear myself quite a lot. Yeah. Does it ever maybe get annoying, like hearing your own voice announce that there's a delay? Do you get annoyed at yourself? No, I only get annoyed because when I hear myself, I'm, I've always got one ear to how could I have done it better? Yeah. And I only, only get annoyed if I hear something that I could have done better. Yeah, I suppose so. And do you ever do the voice when you're on a train just to kind of mess with people? <laughs> no, but I have been on, uh, I was actually on the Piccadilly line once yeah. with a friend and another friend of his who didn't know me. Ah. And my voice came over the airwaves and he turned to his friend and said, oh, this is Jules. <laughs> and and she said, oh, my goodness, and was sort of listening. And then she said, do it. So I repeated the announcement that we just had. And she kind of shrieked. And a few other heads turned in the carriage. So that's happened on a few occasions. Yeah, that's quite impressive. So I take it because you'd done the Piccadilly line, that sort of led you to be able to do all these other trains? Well, I started with the other trains first. Ah. Um, as I said, back in the 80s, with the very early sort of speech processing, I started, I think, with um southern region or one of those possibly i don't remember what the first line i did was um but it was only in the sort of i think it was i'm trying to think when we did the piccadilly line it was probably about 15 years ago mm. and we've done updates as heathrow terminal 5 oh, yeah. came online those sort of things um but it was because of those people that i did the original 
um, mainline railways for that when the Piccadilly line people, London Transport, came to them and said, we need this, they said, why not use jewels? Yeah. And you mentioned about the updates. How often do you have to do them? Because I think, you know, every so often there's a station that's closed and I think it's still this usual announcer voice, your voice that does that. So is it quite often that you're kind of called up to do this? Yes, uh, depending on the line. I mean, I haven't done any updates for the Piccadilly line for for Yonks because we had Heathrow Terminals 4 and then 5 um, and so there were updates for those because I don't think they were there when we first did it. Yeah. Um, but all the other train lines, yes, I mean, there have been COVID announcements recently oh, yeah. to be updated on a lot of lines. Uh, occasionally they change the wording of something. If a station closes, then they just have to take it out of the out of the processing bit mm. and that that would be easy they just delete i suppose that station yeah. and delete it from any phrase that you hear it in but if things get added then yes there would be an update yeah and do you like the kind of anonymity as well of you know being this well-known voice that's part of thousands of people's daily lives but you wouldn't get recognized on the street really no absolutely not now i i've always loved that because i've always thought I've always rather felt for very famous people because I think it must be very much a two-edged sword. You know, there are perks, but my gosh, there's a downside as well. Um, And I remember going into my greengrocer once and they had Capital Radio blaring out of the speakers. And um, there was an ad that I'd done playing while I was kind of saying to the guy, I'll have a pound of sprouts, please. And, And nobody batted an eyelid. You know, they wouldn't have, they didn't, compute the two things they didn't recognize the voice or anything so yes it's very convenient i think yeah that must be nice what would you say is your favorite project that you've worked on in terms of voice work gosh favorite project i spent a wonderfully funny afternoon with the adorable jan ravens do you know who i mean oh yeah impressionist dead ringers yep best theresa may ever um Jan and I spent a very happy afternoon uh, working with the the Think Electric people. Do you remember those ads? They had the Aardman puppets Mm -hmm. um, and it was different animals talking about about electricity. And so we were just busking a lot of stuff to give them ideas, really. Um, And so we did did some flamingos from Birmingham. And we did um, oh, South African rhinoceros, <laughs> and I remember doing a rabbit, a Welsh, a Welsh rabbit, very high pitched she was, and I think we did some Scottish deer, and so we were just doing it as kind of conversations to you know as, to play with ideas for for the creatives. Mm-hmm. That was good fun. I think the 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 favourite job that I've never done that I would love to do is the sort of wildlife documentary. Yeah. I mean, I've done a fair few documentaries, but largely about weird things. I did I did a very strange thing for Channel 5 years ago now about a man called Armin Mavis, I think his name was, German guy, who advertised on the internet for somebody who wanted to be cannibalized. Ooh. And he did, uh, yes, very bizarre. And don't let's go any further with that. But yeah, yes, that was done. I couldn't look at the pictures half the time, but... Um, 
but it, that was sort of, that was weird but fascinating um but i would i i love those sort of wildlife documentaries and and would love to be the voice of those yeah i think a nice soft voice that kind of draws you in and isn't intrusive is um is really important for those kind of things. And I think that's my forte. Yeah, I guess your voice would work for that. You could be the understudy for David Attenborough. Well, now there, there's a thing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Yeah. And do you get up to anything else in your spare time when you're not doing voice work? Because you play the flute, I gather. I do play the flute. In fact, we had a very funny session yesterday morning standing outside the church we usually play in, um, in the cemetery, socially distanced with the wind trying to blow over our music stands with music attached to the stand with clothes pegs um, and trying to hear one another which is difficult when you're socially distanced so it wasn't a great success but it was great to be able to play with other people Um, so there's that I love that Um, and I I wrote a novel actually some years ago um, which is about it's a it's a it's a, I suppose you call it a, it's a metaphysical rom-com, let's call it, a metaphysical rom-com. It's about a man called Ray Haff, who is an A-list Hollywood movie star who has everything materially, but very little emotionally or spiritually. Uh-huh. And he gets a kind of woke up, wake up call as when he's on his way to present at the Golden Globes one year. Uh-huh. And it has some funny angels in it and a reincarnating dog. So it's a bit weird, but I think it's, I've had some very nice reviews at Amazon for it. It's called Ray's Game. Ray's Game. Have to check that out. By, by Jules Berry. I published it under the name of Jules Berry uh, because there's a, a Julie Berry in America who writes kids' books. Oh, yeah. I and I know that you're kind of on your way to retirement, but are there any projects that you're sort of working on at the moment? No, I mean, I still, I'm still doing commercial work in my home studio, which I've had for 20 years. Um, most of what I get asked to do these days is, I hate to say it, for funeral parlours and care homes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> they've, they've clocked my numbers, I think, and so that's kind of what I'm useful for now. But I mean, still, I still get sometimes, some things, you know, jewellers coming up to Valentine's Day yeah. and they want something soft and warm they'll ask me sometimes but um but i don't do any marketing these days because i just can't be bothered <laughs> so i just see what comes in and mostly that's clients who've known me for yonks and so i'm happy to do that yeah well where are we able to keep up to date with you online and also commission you if that's possible if people are interested julieberry.com will find me nice that has uh, examples of my voiceover work on it and uh contact form and what have you nice well thank you very much for coming on the show today my pleasure thank you hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.